0: Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome.
1: Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living on Voice America, on America's Voice. All right, and we have a great, uh, we have a great guest for you today. Her name is Elaine Shaka, and she is an author, and she is a linguist, and she's a scholar, and she has a real specialty in working with dogs. And she's really an amazing lady who's done so much, and I want to welcome her to the program. Welcome, Elaine.: Welcome. Yeah, nice I'm to, glad to be here.: Yeah, nice to have you on the program. I know you've won many awards, you've written many books, um, and your work is very much about speech and actually psychotic speech. What does that mean Well, that was already one of my
2: two big research interests. Uh, I uh a psychotic speech is uh that some schizophrenics and people with uh psychosis, some of them speak very strangely but in definable ways. And psychiatrists originally following Freud tried to explain this speech by saying that the psychotic person's mother didn't love them. And when the person was a child and said to his mother, you don't love me, Hmm. she would punish him and say, yes, I do. And uh, then, because of that, the child never learned to communicate because he saw that (laughs) he was unloved and yet his mother denied it. Hmm. Well, uh, Elaine, how does that fun- relate I to linguistics? At, a, I looked at schizophrenic speech. Uh, a, uh, a friend of mine, I also, by the way, have raised four children.
1: Right. Elaine, and Elaine can, you hear, can yeah. you hear me? Can you hear me? I just want to ask you a question with that. How do okay. you relate all of this to linguistics in terms of childhood and speech how does that tie into well, your study of linguistics? First I found... There was absolutely
2: no case histories that followed that pattern. Hmm. I went to a mental hospital, I looked into their diagnostic files, not uh, with permission of course, and nowhere was there any proof that any of these schizophrenic patients, uh, you know, felt their mothers didn't love them and their mothers punished them for saying it. That was okay. the first thing. The second thing was as a linguist, I am trained to analyze language. Mm. And um and I analyzed the language of the psychotic speakers and saw that they had a problem probably in their brain frontal lobe um, position. They they had a problem in speaking that had nothing to do with being punished by their mothers. They have uh, too much of certain neurochemicals and that causes them to talk, keep on talking randomly,
1: um, making you no know, sense, and so forth, and so on mm-hmm. so Elaine, when you worked with linguistics how did how did you help people because if they have that issue in their brain, can that be overcome? How do they compensate for that? Well, they give them medication mhm that means there's this antipsychotic
2: medication okay um, and um when they're really in an episode of course they have to be hospitalized
1: all right so there's
2: care for them
1: in terms of your whole work with linguistics you've authored textbooks on that you're now authored, I, authoring a book on dogs how did that come great. about well i i was almost killed
2: by a mob of girls when i was 5 years old and my dog, who, uh, these were girls from school, and they had been an accident in the, at recess, and, uh, I accidentally tore a girl's dress as we were playing tag. And the whole gang of girls, um, said they were going to get me after school and what me. My dog met me at school every day at 3.30. And when the girls started chasing me, about 20 of them, and I was a very tiny 5-year-old, I was maybe the size of a normal 3-year-old, these were big girls, um, the dog herded them absolutely um, uh, kept them in a tight formation and kept them far enough away from me so that they couldn't touch me. And he, uh, he did that until I got home, and then he let the girls go run away while I ran into the house. So I've always had very special feelings for dogs and also great curiosity as this dog was, I thought, we all mm. thought, was a mongrel. But obviously, having seen border collies since then, I realized that he, he was a border collie and he was part of herd. And I've also, I love going to see herding trials.
1: Um, Elena, let me ask you about, various, this is so interesting, was, let me ask you about wolves and dogs, why you write about both of them, and you talk about both of them together, why?
2: Wolf, uh, dogs share 98.9% of their DNA with gray wolves, not the American gray wolves, but gray wolves. Are small gray wolves from Asia um, that are now extinct. They're probably they probably all became domesticated to dogs. Um, you cannot deny that the dog is a wolf, hmm. but but I, a, a dog is extremely different from wolves. That's what's interesting. Hmm. Um, they they don't behave like wolves. And even if you take a wolf cub and try to raise it um, as a dog, it won't come out like a dog. It will remain a dangerous animal I and was it will a bond if, with people.
1: Right. If they were more predatory, um, i sure they are. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, uh, dogs uh, have evolved to mm-hmm. be with people and mm-hmm. even little puppies. uh, want to be with
1: people. And your book talks about, your new book coming up, talks about communicating with dogs to humans and humans to dogs. Tell us more about that. Dogs are the only
2: non-human animal that can kick out words in the stream of speech. When we talk, we talk... It sound, you know when you see a... When you hear a foreign language spoken, you can't tell where a word begins and another word ends? Yes. Um, You've you had that experience. It sounds just like a ribbon of speech. Well, our ears, once we know a language... Uh, our brains automatically take that stream of speech and chop it up into individual words. Mm -hmm. Dogs can do the same thing. And that's amazing. No other, as I said, no other non-human animal can do it. Only dogs. Mm -hmm. And they will learn any language, like a child, they will learn any language that's supposed to get around them, and my dogs are bilingual. That is, they'll understand commands given in English and in German. Wow,
1: uh, that, that's amazing! Wow, yeah, talk but, about your own dogs. You have Shisek and Scamp and Maltese. Yes, yeah, us and yeah. Scamp. We always used to have big dogs, and
2: I've had a lot of mongrels. So I think mongrels are fine. Um, But as we got older, it was, we live in a cold climate, and the kind of walking a big dog needs, like at 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night or so, was, you know, beyond us as we hit our 70s. So I got Maltese because they were small, and they didn't have to be walked so much. Hmm. Um, To my surprise... I found that they were incredibly tuned into people. They, stu- when, they f- when you first get them, they study. They spend the first week studying your every move. As my husband said once about Skeets, he's getting a PhD in us. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, uh, you know they understand. Out of ordinary conversation, they pick out words and Mm -hmm. phrases that amaze
1: me. Mm. And I'm sure they're not the only dogs that can do that. What do you think, Elaine, dogs have to teach us? Loyalty. What do they
2: teach um, us? Honesty. Uh, kindness, they're very tuned to their human's moods. If you're depressed or you'll feel well, um, if you're in pain, the dog will know it and stay by your side and try to snuggle with you or lick you or make you feel better. And they're wonderful companions. Um. And on my blog about dogs, I've gotten many people to write about who have written uh, or posted how their dogs know when they're depressed or whatever and uh, won't leave their sides.
1: Yeah, there's a very interesting piece in your blog I want to read. You write, dogs are sexually promiscuous. They celibate only if they've been neutered or sprayed. That's true.
0: Unlike
2: wolves, who mate only only the alpha wolves mate, and they have lifelong mates, and they mate only with their lifelong mate. Really? So yeah, wolves do. But dogs, um, if they go into heat, if they're not sprayed or neutered, they will have sex with any and all comers.
1: Why do you think that is, Elaine? Why do you think there's that difference between kind of the the faithful wolves and the promiscuous dogs? In
2: order for wolves to exist, they have to live by very rigid rules. Hmm. And there is no place in the wild where... Uh, for the wolves, uh, where if they had to compete for sexual favors, that is, if if all the wolves' females went into heat, um, the males would be competing to see, you know, to get to mate mm. with her, which is what dogs do. Dogs will actually form a big group. And they vie with each other to see who can uh, mate with the other dog. But for the wolves, the wolf pets, um, that would be very detrimental to the pack.
1: Now, now, the if, if more, dogs had to live in the same environment as wolves, would their behavior be more like the wolves?
2: No, they would starve to death. Oh, when people dump dogs, I lived out in the country for years, and people would dump dogs, just drive out in the country or shove the dog out into the out of the car and say goodbye and leave them. Um, dogs, they just, most of them died. Mm. If they mm. weren't rescued by somebody else, they died. Their dogs have are, are absolutely not
1: like wild animals. Very very interesting. They are. They are you know, the yeah. other thing is, so many people will say that they can telepathically communicate with their dogs, not say anything, and their dog knows how they're feeling. How how does that work? In your opinion, Elaine? I, I that's just what I was talking about. What I said, the dog knows when
2: you don't feel well. Mhm. Ah, uh, the dog knows when you're depressed. Um. One way dogs know what's on your mind is they look very closely at your face. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, wolf eyes and dog eyes are different. Wolf eyes are slanted, and they're good for peripheral vision, for looking out of the sides of their eyes. Mm -hmm. Dogs' eyes are rounded, and they're toward the center of their faces, and the dogs have very good central vision, which wolves don't. So they see our faces very clearly. And they know what, what each difference in facial expression means. Uh, that's one way. Another way, just the way they can smell... Cancer, or they can smell that somebody di- is, di- is a diabetic uh, needs more insulin. They may mm-hmm. be able to smell. They may give off an odor mm-hmm. when we have certain moods, mm-hmm. and the dogs would catch that. I mean, their
1: smelling is incredible. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so what so- what do you think people who don't have dogs? Do you think their lives are different? Do you think there's an, a total addition to your life when you have a dog versus when you don't? For me, if I don't
2: have a dog,
1: I feel something's missing.
2: hmm But I cannot speak for all people because people are different. And some people don't feel that way. They don't feel that they've missed out on anything. hmm I mean, if you want that kind of relationship, and it is, you get into a relationship with a dog, and if you want that kind of relationship, having a dog is very rewarding and a great treasure. But if you don't want that kind of relationship, you know, there are people who don't seem to want any kind of relationships. I don't know, but... Right. Uh, I can't judge for all
1: people. It's it's very much like having a child in a way, isn't it? Absolutely. I've raised four children and
2: had dogs all the time. All my kids had dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. As adults, they all have dogs. Um, my dogs helped take care of my kids when they were little and watched out for them. Uh, but it is sort of like having a child.
1: The difference is the dog doesn't ask you back. Yeah. The dog doesn't become a teenager.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. So that makes it a little easier. It makes it a little easier. Oh yeah.
2: It's it's very much dogs don't
1: hold grudges. Mhm. Uh they're very forgiving. Very forgiving. I've heard that so much. I want to let our audience know and our listeners know that people can post their dog photos on Facebook at Amazing Dogs, Yours and Mine. Amazing Dogs, Yours and Mine. And is that the title of your new book, Elaine? No, because I don't want people. The new book is not
2: going to be. People will think it's a book about dogs. You know, it's not. It's all about how dogs evolved and why and things things like that. And um, how dogs communicate, how humans communicate to dogs, so forth. Um, I also have a blog called Dogs and Wolves. Dogs and Wolves. Dogs and Wolves dash smart old lady. Okay dot
1: dot com. All right, dogs and, and wolves dash smart old dot dot com. All right. Right, and
2: a lot of the stuff that's in that blog will be in the book.
1: Okay. People Not can all also, of it, people can also find you on our, uh, on Twitter. So Twitter would be our amazing dogs. Facebook yep. is amazing. Dogs dash yours and mine, and we want to get the the name of you're spelling correctly. It's Elaine Chaka. Did I say that right? It's pronounced Chaka, Chaka. Elaine Chaka, and I want to tell our listeners that your blog is fascinating. I mean, really, it's so much about the evolution of dogs and the way they think. And wolves, I mean, it's really fascinating, and you have some beautiful pictures, and beautiful pictures of your dog as well. Well, the
2: pictures at the bottom of the blog are all my dogs. you're yeah, looking and, at them. Uh, or, or, And different dogs I have. The red one was Pooh, who guarded our property for 14 years. And what kind of dog is he? Uh, it she was a uh, a Chow Chow, beautiful, and the Chow Chow is one
1: of the nine breeds that's closest to the wolf today. Wow. You can see that in in the face. There's only no, there, yeah. you can well, see that. They, yeah, totally loyal to you. Totally loyal to your family. Mm. She would attack anyone who tried to she thought would try to harm you. Well, that's, that's real protection. What about Skizik and Scamp? What kind of dogs are they? Well, they're Maltese. Beautiful.
2: They are, they are the oldest breed that was specifically bred to be companion dogs. Mm -hmm. The breed is at least 2,800 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are, they are toy dogs. That is, uh, they're not supposed to be more than seven pounds, but, and a lot of them are only four or five pounds, but they do. You can, you, they'll be bigger of some, yeah, they can be ten pounds or, uh, whatever. But anyway, they're small dogs. And they want, they take their companionship duties very much to heart. So wherever you are, they go. If you get up and to leave a room and go somewhere, they go ahead mm-hmm. of you and try to figure out which way you're going to go, so that they'll be there when you get there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I want to let sit. people
1: know they can see more of this if they go on your website, ElaineShaker. dot com. Correct? No, no, no. That's my editing website. All right. My, so it would be dogs and, dogs and Wolves that Smart Old Lady. That's right. Alright, and That's also so. they can go on Facebook, Amazing Dogs, yours and mine, and Twitter, Our Amazing Dogs. Elaine, thanks so much for being on the program. It was really great. Well, I hope I didn't talk over you too much. You were great. It was wonderful to learn so much about dogs and about the history and about how, uh, you know, how they're such a beloved part of your life and so many people's lives. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You're an excellent interviewer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin right here on Voice America, America's Voice.